0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: LMFM podcasts brought to you with Carrick Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Carrick Credit Union on Neal Street or at ie.
0: The Michael Reid Show Podcast. Tune in
2: weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Thursday
3: morning, the 25th of April. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. We begin this morning with an attack on an elderly couple in County Louth. Gardaí are investigating the Callis incident which happened At eight o'clock on Tuesday evening, two men in their late teens or early 20s entered a house on Rock Road in Dundalk. They escaped with less than 450 euro. But before leaving, they had tied the couple who were in their 80s up, armed with a hammer, a knife and a hatchet they locked the pensioners in a bedroom. They made their getaway then in the couple's car, which was later found nearby. Reports this morning suggest that the same tugs have been involved in three similar incidents in the last fortnight locally. Let's talk about this uh, with local independent TD, Peter Fitzpatrick, who's come into studio with us uh, this morning. This is obviously uh, a callous, callous act uh, uh, and a a mindless act uh, from... Two very young men, it would appear, but it's impossible to quantify the impact that it would have had on the victims of this crime.
1: Michael, when I heard in your programme yesterday morning, my my stomach just turned. And when you also said in your programme yesterday morning that these two men had a hammer, they had a hatchet and a knife, and I said to myself, what's going on in this society? Two elderly people from Black Rock, from a country area, uh, who lived in the area all their lives, uh, or like if, if if people don't feel safe in their homes anymore there's something seriously seriously wrong these people these two men went in and michael they, 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 they didn't care what they had to do is. They intended to get whatever money they could for this elderly couple. They didn't care whether they had to use a hatchet, Mm. a hammer or a knife. It's very, very, very serious.
3: I take it they knew exactly what they were doing given the time of day because at 8 o'clock in the evening, it's broad daylight this time of the year. So they weren't trying to break in in the dead of night. Uh, They were forcing their way into this home knowing that there was an elderly couple inside who were vulnerable uh, and that they would be able to get money if there was money.
1: I believe that these two young men uh, targeted the area, they knew the area, they knew the people, they targeted the people. Like in fairness, I believe the sum of money was around 400 euros. Like 400 euros is still an awful lot of money, but they don't realise what damage did under these people. These are two elderly people that live in living in a quiet area. Mm. that that. that didn't annoy nobody just got on with their lives like what kind of life are they going to have afterwards mm. like do these people not realise the damage they've done there like they, these people these people now are going to be terrified to come back to their homes like, like people want to live in their own people have live, first of all mm. people are living longer people want to live in, in their own area people want to people want to live with their families they want to live in the community and these two yahoos or whatever I want to call them at the moment is it's an absolutely disgrace what they've done and I have full confidence in the guards in the areas. I spoke to the superintendent uh, yesterday. I got I got a commitment. They're doing a, a house-to-house search. They're checking C- CCTV. They're even checking dash dash cameras. Hmm. They are doing everything they can. And I think people in the area. And I'm going to say this openly is. I think people in the area know who these people are because I'm a firm believer. Is once two people know something, more than more people know it. I am pleading with people in the areas. Let's let, let's get these two thugs. Let's sort these these people out. This is more than a burglary. Mm. Uh, these people, in with intent to do damage to these two people. Like you don't walk into someone's house there at nighttime at eight o'clock during the day. We mm. might as well call it mm. daytime because mm. it's very very bright. They, in with their, their intent. They didn't care about these people. They didn't care what damage they done. I'll even go as far as this This could even be attempted murder because if these people But it won't
3: be treated that way I mean this is the unfortunate thing it won't be treated that way it'll be treated as an aggravated burglary slightly more serious than a burglary that's if the thugs involved are apprehended Uh, and uh, the impact that that has on the victims uh, is not what is to the fore of these cases. Yes, you're armed. That will be taken into consideration and will result in a a longer sentence if a sentence is applied. But the amount of money stolen is in fact what the crime is. It'll be 400 euro. It's not a particularly serious crime.
1: As a member of the Justice Committee for the last number of years, I would get an opportunity to speak to the Minister, to Mm. speak to the Garda Commissioner. And this is something that we're going to have to tease out at the moment is like... Someone going to somebody's house, and mm. i I'd be honest, if you're in your 80s, i I'd be honest, I'm 55 years of age. No, oh, I wouldn't like someone, it, yeah. Sorry, mm. if someone came to my door with a hatchet mm. and a hammer yeah. and everything mm. else, I would be honest, I would be afraid of my life. Mm. I'd be very concerned about my, my wife and my, my children mm. and everything else. And, this
3: and, is wrong. And the couple ended up in hospital. Let's not forget that either. I, I mean, this is at an hour in the evening where, as you say, it's broad daylight. Uh, people are, are generally having a, a cup of tea, sitting down after the dinner, watching the soaps, minding their own business. In the safety of their own home behind their own front door and then they're traumatised like this and end up in hospital. It really is beyond belief.
1: Like, these people were taken upstairs. They were tied upstairs. I don't know how long they were left in the house on their own. But... These two, these two Yahoos come into the house, as I said here, with a hammer, a hatchet, and a knife. These, these these men. I actually know a programme two or three weeks ago, and I was talking about mental health. These people. There has to be something seriously wrong with these people. The breaking of someone's home, there, at the moment is, and the damage they've done mm. to these two elderly people. And to me, it's it's like we've all we've all got mothers and fathers. We've we like as I said here. Uh, I spent yesterday uh, yesterday in Dublin. In, in the zoo with my two grandchildren a day that I really really enjoyed there at the moment is like it's all to do with your health your family life your quality of life is that these two people what quality of life are they going to have coming out of the hospital at the moment is they're going to be afraid to stay in their own homes because every time mm-hmm. a door knocks or a doorbell rings or, or someone the phone rings they're going to be afraid of their lives and as I said to you how
3: concerned th- are you to think that the same young have been involved in similar incidents locally
1: very, very disappointed. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very disappointed. And I'm very, very disappointed in people in the area know who these people are. Like, they, these two young people, mm-hmm. that they, they've got a mother and father, they've probably got brothers and mm-hmm. sisters and everything else. And I'm just saying, they're doing nobody any favours. These, two, these oh, two... But they these don't
3: care, you know, uh, I suppose, without meaning to scare people or over-sensationalise this, uh, I think there is a, a very strong message in that for people locally. Uh, and to think about their home security, don't be opening the door at night.
1: Well, the, 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 these two young people have a mother and a father. How they fancy this happening to them with their mother and father? Like, the way I always look at life is, mm. like, why do something to somebody if if you don't want it done to yourself? Mm. Like, like I guarantee you, they would be two very angry people if someone broke into their house and got their mothers and fathers or their grandfather and granny and tied them up and and, and done exactly what they did on. These two people are completely nothing scared. The thing really fighting the answer was, also on Wednesday morning, I was reading Eve and Herodell, the evening, how the same thing happened in, in South Dublin. Mm. Uh, two, two elderly people in the 70s. Chair in your, yeah. uh, two, two elderly mm. people, in, uh, 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 a courier man uh, wrapped the door. The minute they opened the door, three men charged into them, mm. them, tied these people up, and they stole a the four-figure sum. All listen. I'm not trying to scare scaremonger people in the area. Mm. Uh, Black Rock is a lovely area. Uh, I remember being in your program back in 2015. The people in Black Rock were very concerned about the low presence of Garda. We got a commitment from 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 the, from the superintendent Gerald Uh The, the guard was increased for, from to uh, one sergeant and three and, and uh, three uh, If you're looking in the, in a daily basis uh, from and the dark and surrounding areas, those daily patrols there at the moment is like they, they can't cover everything. So listen i'm just playing with the people in the dark black rock area loud east mead let's all walk together let's start looking at the, the, the these are the people who got this country back on this feet. These are people who 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 wants to to enjoy the last few years mm. of their life they want to they want to feel safe in their own home, and we have to help them. We have to have the guards let's all start by if, if this, if this if these two men are responsible for three burglaries, listen all I'm trying to say is let's inform the Garda let's get these people behind bars let's talk to the Garda Commission or let's talk to the t- Yeah t- but t- how, how do doctor. we do
3: that I mean as things stand there's real problems as you very well know Peter Fitzpatrick from sitting on the Justice mm-hmm. Committee because I mean let's imagine for a, a moment that these two fellows are arrested tomorrow then what uh, they'll uh, probably carry out a spate of burglaries waiting to be sentenced
1: Well as I'm saying prevention is the best cure as I said to yeah, you there's people out there know who they are. If you are decent people and have your own parents and grandparents, you have an onus to inform the guardian. Because I'll tell you one thing like, like this this is put a fear, not only in the dark, black, mm. rock, and like, this put a fear throughout the whole country. People are, elderly people are going to be afraid to live in their own homes. As you said here, yeah, people are living longer, and people do deserve to live longer. People are living your lives at the moment, and people should be enjoying the last few years of their life instead of having to worry these thugs coming in and destroying their lives. Mm. Like I said yeah, these two. People, how the, the life everybody the
3: agrees, but I, so, but I suppose the question is, how do we stop it from happening?
1: Well, as I said, Michael is we, we, if we, if we mm. all help, mm. if, if, if,
3: but if we, we need some if, changes, if, don't if, we? If, if, I mean, it's, yeah,
1: but listen, we all have a habit of saying, "Oh, like if something goes wrong, oh, let's blame the education system, mm. let's blame the police system." Let's all start with ourselves. Like I live in an area, and a well, lot what of about people. the
3: definition of burglary as a, a, a crime? Is, is it considered seriously enough by the courts?
1: Well, Michael, definitely not, Michael. But to me, this is not a burglary. To me, this this, 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 is, this is a lot more than a burglary. Mm. This is two men with a hatchet, a hammer and a knife. And uh, I'm a firm believer, these people went in and they didn't care whether they killed these people or what what, what, what happened. All they wanted was was money, whether it was money for drugs or mm. money for drink or whatever at the moment. All they wanted was money. And the only the real, the real thing that would allow me at the moment is, I believe these are people not too far from the area. I believe these 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 two young people have maybe been 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 been, been uh, searching out the area for mm. for a period of time because they knew these two people are, are, are living in their own like eight o'clock in in the evening time in daylight calling and doing this here like it makes no sense whatsoever. So I'm trying to start. On, where do we start? Mm. We start off by everybody taking responsibility, by everybody getting involved, by everybody trying to help their elderly neighbours. What about a deterrent,
3: though? I mean, people will often argue that there should be tougher sentencing.
1: Well, as I said to you, Michael, let's look at let's let's look let's look at the incident in Blackrockers. Let's hope that these people are caught today, tomorrow, or ASAP. And let, let's 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 start. Let, let's get an opportunity. Let's ask the minister. Let's ask the the the, the Garda Commissioner. Let's change the law. Mm. Let's 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 make it a more serious offence because people don't realise it. Like like uh, uh, the police and the authorities uh, says that uh, that the guards have, uh, have reached half the targets for twenty eighteen. But one of the things they've they've achieved is that bogery has has reduced. But the thing about burglary is, you're right. What is a burglary is like? I'm not being smart. Is like. A lifetime
3: of burglary for a burglar. I mean, we all have heard about revolving doors and so on. And people who fall victim to burglary will tell you that they can't fall asleep at night. They hear the smallest creak in their house and they think someone's going to come in and kill them. Uh, People want to sleep in bed with guns to protect themselves and this sort of thing. Uh, And it's something that will result perhaps in a a sentence. But is the sentence in line with the uh, impact of the crime?
1: The answer, Michael, is no. Mm. This is something, Michael, we're going to have to start fighting harder for. Because I'm telling you, uh, what's going to happen now? The moment is like no matter whether you're young people or old people, or whatever the moment is, what's going to happen over the next few months, especially what happened in Black Blackwalkers, people are going to be afraid to answer the door. People are going to be people are actually afraid in their own homes. Mm. And in fairness, people don't deserve that. People have worked so hard those recessions, and we can talk about everything. At the moment is, I I love after a hard day's work going home. Uh, sitting in my sitting room at mm. the kitchen, reading the newspaper and having a wee bit of comfort inside my own home. Yeah. Now yeah. What, what's gonna happen now is if I go to bed there at night time, am I gonna be afraid to sleep in my own home that people but it's are going not to
3: be to bed at night time I mean in 8 o'clock in the evening you could be out cutting the grass
1: of oh. a I I of a friend there recently who lived bit of a me. He was out cutting his grass in the bit in, in, of a little bit of a into of a little of a cup of a Next thing, of a a man in his a mm. and bit man just walked straight into the house. And he says, what are you doing in my kitchen? Oh, he says, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong house. And your man, your man just walked away and went away. Next thing he looked around, his mobile phone was gone. You know, your man, like, paper... We, we have to make sure that if people are doing these things is like, that the punishment has to suit the crime. But, but what I mean there, Michael, is mm. if someone if someone goes in interferes with people they have to pay the crime. This is something that's is something we're going to have to look in there at the moment. Is. Like, if people come into your, in, into your property I know the law has changed years ago that if you're in your bed and sleep at night time or someone comes into your house and you think they're going to uh, maybe murder you or mm-hmm. kill you you're entitled to shoot them and everything else but Mike, Mike, people don't want to go to that extreme in the moment I, what I'm trying to say here at the moment is I think it, that it's very very important that that, that that the law has to change like people just can't, can't come into your property people can't come into your house with a hammer a hatchet and a knife go up in front of the judges and the judges may be giving them probation and everything else at the moment mm-hmm. like the judges are blaming the system so right if they're blaming the system let's have a look at legislation let's have a look at the, like, the bay laws going on and on and on mm-hmm. there's too many There's too many things in the Doll has not been passed at the moment, is but boggly is something that we're all only going to have to look at. I think this is a, this is a reality call for people in the areas. Like, you know, two elderly people who've worked all the lives mm. at the moment, is uh, afraid of the life night. At the moment, is they are scared for life, their family for life is because I, I, I know mm. uh, like uh, having a mother and a father. I know when I was away from home, I used to at the odd time get a phone call from my mother or my father at maybe two o'clock in the morning, taking somebody outside mm. and everything else. Mm. Mike, that's not a nice thing to get there at the moment, mm. is and. And You go down to the house and you discover maybe that it's a windy night or it's a rainy night, and everything else at the moment. Like, you know, we of have people like that at the moment, mm. and especially the Black Rock area at the moment. Of if, if all the places in County is, it's probably one of the most built up areas. A lot of housing's going on at the moment. There's a lot, at the moment, there's, there's new nursing homes in there, there's new estates in there, there's new doctors in there. It's a lovely built up area there at the moment. It's, it's a lovely place for people to live along the sea and everything else. And the last thing I want to do is, is people be afraid to live in an area like that. There, like I said, it's a lovely country area, it's a area. Well, it could we, be anywhere like, either. But, I yeah, mean, this but, is the yeah, thing. Yeah, but what's going to sure. happen there at the moment mm-hmm. is, like, Black Walker's going be known mm-hmm. for, for two people in their 80s being mm-hmm. broken into, being being a fit of their lives. I don't want that to happen. Now, the last thing I want to say, Michael, before we finish, Michael, is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, I'm delighted that the Temple reopened. I'm delighted that there's six or 800 guards every year coming out. I'm delighted that the Garda Commission has given us a commitment there back in November in the Yorkshire Committee is that there's going to be 4,000 civilians taken on to work for the Garda. And what mm-hmm. that means is there's going to be more Garda in the beat, more patrols and everything else. And I think that what people, what people in our society want to see is they want to see a bigger presence of Garda in the area. And I think that's the best way the moment is. Like Garda, like there's too much paperwork, there's too much, just that, you know, we need to go back to the old-fashioned way. Like, I remember years ago mm-hmm. living in O'Hanlon Park on the dog. My mother never locked the front door. My mother never locked the back door. Oh, well, so like, uh, those like, days yeah, are, like, are like, long you, gone. You, you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah, you're yeah, waiting yeah, and you yeah. cut the grass. Mm-hmm. If you wait and cut the grass and there's no one you have to lock the back door because, mm-hmm. as I said to you, uh, what happened to my friend, even in the back kitchen, the next thing there's something in the house. Like, we, society has changed. All I'm trying to say to people is, listen, we all have to take responsibility. We all have to look after each other. And, we all, and if you see it and suspicious, suspicious, let's start by these Two thugs. If anybody in the Blackwalk area knows who done this at the moment, please report them together. These two people have to be put behind bars, and um, us mm. as 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 politicians, as administrators, we have to be sure that the law has changed, that they have to pay the penalty.
3: Absolutely, and uh, perhaps people listening to us uh, would look out for their elderly neighbours, and uh, perhaps everybody listening to us would think about their home security and about opening the door before they do and perhaps uh, you uh, could check to see who it is before you let anybody in. All right, we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, this morning. Independent TD in loud for Peter Fitzpatrick.
1: Michael, Michael Reed, Reed
4: on
3: LMFM. Now in less than a month if you're over 18 and on the electoral register you'll be able to vote in uh, the elections. Uh, there's two elections that you'll be able to vote on and a referendum and in other parts of uh, the country. People will also be voting on whether they would like to elect mayors for their region. Let's talk about all of this uh, with our political editor Eileen Brophy. Good morning to Eileen Hello, and Michael. thanks for joining us. I, I think for some of us it's going to be pretty complicated uh, come uh, the 24th of next month. Uh, what, what are we being asked to do?
5: Well, we're going to be asked to vote, obviously, for our local councillors. Most people know their local councillors. Uh, well, some of them, <laughs> not all mm. of them. Mind you, I mean, look, I'm not alone. Like, uh, do I live in a constituency? But I also, I'm a journalist and I have to say there are many of my local councillors that I haven't seen or heard of And when I see them up on the, the, uh, uh, yesterday morning when I got up and came out, my goodness, all the lampposts were full of the posters because yesterday was the day they were allowed to put them up. um, And some of them look absolutely Done in with the airbrushing <laughs> and everything, you kind of go, "Who's mm. <laughs> You know. But anyway, that's so. That's probably the the. Do
3: big you like thing. posters, by the way? It's been the most controversial year yet, I, yeah. I think, for posters. And I
5: believe there are areas now, um, like around Rough Common and places like that, mm. where they have all decided they're not going to put up posters at all.
3: Yeah, and thirteen um, areas in Louth where people yeah, are being asked not to put so them up. Are, Absolutely, yeah. But uh, um, what what are your thoughts on it?
5: I, well, you know, I think uh, it's it, I think they're good provided mm. they take them down and they're not they're not a danger uh for you know when you're driving and that sometimes some of them mm. you know are are dangerous that you can't see uh, o- over them but i think they're good because it does give people a chance to see who's running in their area mm. because a lot of the areas have have now changed you know um obviously uh, since the new law that came in there in 2014 mm. uh, the, some of the areas have changed so some people some people that were in my area are now moved into the next one and uh, i wasn't aware of that until i saw the posters yesterday okay. um, mm. uh, and i think a lot of a lot of people will will find that uh, that as well so i think maybe for us the local councillors. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not, I'm not dumbing down uh, the European um, uh, election anyway either. But I think locally it is the one area where you know we we can have a say and we should have a say. Uh, that we, you know, can talk to our local councillors, you know, things that that, that are, are mm. bothering us in our own little
3: areas. And, and they are little areas to a, a large extent, are. aren't they? Because there's a lot of councillors I think there's uh, around 949 yeah. councillors across right. the country uh, and quite a, a lot in each county, but then each county is broken down uh, into smaller regions so that when we fill the seats, we're talking about 10, 12 seats uh, type of, of thing. But right. these, these are the politicians then that will be working in the local areas. What's their job? What what what, what will they have to do?
5: Well, it's their job uh, to make policy and obviously uh, for their areas, for their local areas. Well, obviously they, they have a say in the whole. So if you, somebody, uh, you, you know, in, in your area, but they would be there for the whole of Louth or the whole of Mead. So, mm. They make the policy for for that area, and usually there's an agreement between um, councillors. You know that they they won't object to other areas that they're not living in, unless it's something that's absolutely ridiculous. So they they work very well with one another. So they make the policies, and then it is uh, the it's the actual civil servants. Uh, that um, carry out the policy. But, you know, there was a report written there some time ago uh, that, you know, local areas have now, they've they've weakened their whole um, power sharing that they can't, um, they haven't got the money uh, to share uh, around in each area uh, that they would have had before um, because they used to look after, and they're meant to look after housing, planning, Mm -hmm. roads, environmental protection mm. and, uh, and, and many other things in your area but they haven't the money now because the money seems th- to be going to central funds and then it's given back to them whereas before they would have had that that money uh, coming in like for the, the property tax for um, like water for example mm. um, is, is centralised now so they've, they've lost a lot of their powers. So um, Everything is kind of more or less centralised now and they're depending on the government to mm.
3: give them money. And, and and the government is the national government. So so, yes. so so they make most of the decisions on how the money is spent in the country and the local government, which is the local councils, uh, make decisions uh, on how some of that money is spent locally. But they have far less in this country, it would seem, than is the case elsewhere.
5: They have, and far less than they used to have one mm. time. Uh, so uh, they, they're losing a lot of their powers. So <laughs> you will find that... If you do that and if you're not looking after uh, your local councillors, uh, some people use the local council as a stepping stone uh, for the general election to get into the doll. but other people are genuinely doing it for their local areas. Mm. Um, and to make sure that you know that, that people in their area have a say uh, through them but the uh, things have moved on so much over the years uh, that a lot of uh, an awful lot of the things that they would have had a say in before now uh, come from from central government okay. so, uh, and the money as well like the, before like years ago you know the money that came into uh, you know for a license uh, for tax on your car all mm. that kind of stuff went locally went to the local roads um, you know, all that kind of stuff that stuff doesn't happen anymore
3: Okay uh, so people then may decide uh, to vote for somebody because of uh, the political party that they belong to That's because right. of an issue that they're raising in the local area or some people might vote uh, because uh, somebody is male or female for that matter
5: That's right and uh, uh, there would be a lot of that now because obviously uh, they're they're, they're trying to encourage women uh, to run for in politics now and apparently in Ireland like we we be way behind mm. other countries uh, then there's an awful lot of people that think, you know, that women should be should be in there on their merit, uh, not because of quotas and stuff like that. Um, but um, I think that's a different argument for another day. Another
3: day, day indeed. <laughs> yeah. so, so so, the people we vote for will go uh, to the local councils. They won't go to the Dáil or to Aaron or anything like that. No. Uh, and then there's another election for the European Parliament. This is separate to right. the other one.
5: That's separate. Now, hmm. I suppose... The argument in, in that we have three constituencies, which is very very little, mm. you know. So, um, like if, you, if you're living in Wexford, and just kind of think for of further point, um, and you're living in uh, Kerry, you'd ha- you have the same, you, you know, the same people um, r- running in, in those areas, and you just would not know uh, who they are. Dublin um, is a little bit better because in Dublin you have. Uh, you know, it's, it's for the whole of Dublin. Mm. Um, so, and then you have obviously your own uh, constituency there, now. and
3: seventeen candidates to choose from here, which is a huge constituency huge. going yeah. east to west. Yeah,
5: mm. and it is. I mean, it's it's like it's it's mad, really, mm. to be honest with you. And it's very difficult for people to know who to vote for. People don't understand the European Parliament. I mean, the argument now is that you know we're going to elect two um, two MEPs. Uh, that won't be able to go to Europe um, until Britain uh, pull out of, uh, of Europe because they now are, uh, they were meant to obviously Brexit, mm. we were, they were meant to be out uh, in March and now we're in the situation at the end of March, now we're in the situation where they will be running their own candidates in Britain, they will take up their seats uh, in the Parliament, which means that we have we, we gained, by them leaving, we gained two seats and though, so there are going to be two people mm. that won't be able to take up seats until Britain go, and Britain mightn't go at all.
3: Okay, and Brexit is going to be a big part of the debate, no doubt. We have uh, another paper to decide on, uh, and it's a referendum on divorce. But isn't divorce already available in this yes, country? Yes,
5: it is available, but you, you know you have to take a, a certain amount of time. You have to be separated for a certain for over five years. Uh, you know before you can actually even mm. go. For, uh, for divorce and now most people that are you know awaiting for, for divorce are actually living in the same house because people can't afford to move out now because property is so expensive number one and renting is so expensive that you find that they're, they're living in the same house now so they're easing all of the time limit on that which is only right really um, so because everybody like people know Mm. Um, you know, that they like they want to be divorced, like we're not children. Um, and it's about time that they did ease on that so people will be asked to vote on that as well
3: because um, at the moment the politicians can't change the rules because it's no. in the constitution that's you have right. to be separated for four out of the last five years if you want yeah. to get divorced uh, and if we remove that then the politicians will be uh, in a position to change it they say they'll change that to by two by law yeah. yes, they can break laws
5: we can't do
3: okay. that at the moment well we'll all be making up our minds over the course of uh, the yes. next month on all of these issues debate. And we'll begin our coverage, indeed our debates will begin on uh, Monday of next week uh, and I'm sure by the end of the month uh, we'll all be completely up to speed with all of the issues and so on if we're not sick of it at that stage. Eileen thank you as always. Eileen Brophy is our political editor. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Now, we'll uh, talk about uh, an assault on a paramedic which uh, occurred on Tuesday night locally with uh, Paul Bell, divisional organiser with SIPTU's health division. This happened locally, as uh, I say, yes. on Tuesday night at half uh, 11. It, it resulted in a paramedic being injured and concerned for a patient who was uh, being transported by ambulance.
2: Yes, this came to my attention yesterday morning Michael and thank you very much for inviting me in to, to talk about what is a very serious issue and a, a number of fronts where it's very serious and I'll explain as we go on um, Ambulance was involved in the routine uh, patient transfer uh, from uh, Dundalk to Olaid Lourdes Hospital uh, and one of the individuals being transported uh, basically was causing difficulties for both paramedics There was a female paramedic uh, taking care of the patient and uh, a male paramedic driving the vehicle. Uh, obviously, things were ongoing in that vehicle and it was decided to stop the vehicle uh, off the motorway uh, along Tully Esker, uh, whereby uh, the male paramedic was assaulted on the side of the road. Uh, luckily enough, the uh, paramedic was wearing a device commonly known as a man-down device, uh, so when the individual fell, it triggered off an alarm system in in ambulance control in Dublin uh, and they knew there was something ongoing because they could see the ambulance was stationary. Uh, in fairness, uh, the guardy responded extremely promptly uh, and tried to deal with the issue but the paramedic was injured uh, and resulting from that, when the call was eventually completed having been delayed, uh, the ambulance was stood down for the night uh, the two members of staff were medically examined and both were understandably sent home to try and obviously de-escalate this. Uh, we have know as a union representing ambulance personnel while we don't have many assaults the issue here is that they are growing in seriousness. Uh, there were two issues ongoing there. There was the patient's welfare and there was the welfare of the crew and then the town of Drogheda had no ambulance for the complete night and we're relying upon a service from uh, Dundalk or RD. So they, that because was that the, ambulance the, and the personnel yeah, were that taken v- out that of action. That vehicle was stood down, mm. and th- that's the result of it. Uh, I understand that the, the matter is still the subject of a Garda investigation, uh, which uh, I would obviously be... They're treating concerned. it
3: as a, a minor incident. Uh, we did ask RD to uh, make comments uh, and they said they're investigating an alleged minor assault of uh, a member
2: of the ambulance mm. personnel. Well, Michael, i tell you the truth. I find that absolutely shocking uh, because there's no such thing as a minor assault. Uh, it, the assault either happened or it didn't. The consequences of that assault were as, uh, sorry, alleged assault were as follows. The ambulance was delayed in, in caring for the patient. The crew was traumatised. They were stood down off duty to seek medical attention. And I'm glad to say both of those individuals are back to work. The ambulance then was removed from the town of Drogheda. The population had no backup service because of the hour of night that had happened. And we were relying on colleagues from Dundalk and R.D. and indeed uh, North County Dublin to cover Drogheda. Now, luckily, there's been no reports uh, of any adverse effect of that. So I am quite concerned about, you know, a minor assault. Uh, that's the, That was the consequence of what happened on that roadside. Now I understand it's still in the Garda investigation and the facts will be established Uh, and it's a bit disappointing Mm. that that commentary will be used especially in light that the ambulance crew had nothing but praise for the response of local Gardaí I think one patrol car was actually on the M1 motorway and was able to get there very quickly
3: Maybe it's a subjective description of what happened, or interpretation of the injuries uh, that uh, the ambulance uh, personnel uh, incurred as a result well, of. Well,
2: my understanding is that the injuries were, you know, while the, the while the individual has been able to return to walk, hmm. uh, they were serious enough for the, uh, other ambulance personnel to to determine that that person needed medical attention. Uh, they were serious enough for that individual yeah. and crew member to be stood down for the night and ambulance personnel do not stand down easily. I mean they, they are quite robust and mm. uh, you know, quite robust people they, they get on with the job, there's a rough and tumble with it uh, but on, on that evening that's, they were the consequences of that incident
3: And is it an assault on a, a member of the emergency services, in this case the ambulance personnel any different than an assault on uh, another citizen?
2: Uh, quite frankly, Michael, no. This is something that you've... This is something which uh, I believe government are extremely soft on. Well, you've been calling for a change Absolutely. for years. For years. I mean, yeah. uh, we mm-hmm. believe that an assault on uh, an emergency me- medical service provider, be it a member of the Fire Service, the Coast Guard, the Ambulance Service, Civil Defence, name them, or a public servant in general... Uh, as it would be a member of lollipop person should be treated in a different way because, mm. at the end of the day, those people are providing a state service. Some of these individuals, uh, and I'm not relating to this case, but some individuals believe that if they assault a person like that, they're striking out against the state. That this has been some of the excuses that's been given to air members mm. over the years having suffered assault by the way in this case fair enough uh, some good news is then, the sense that the medical, uh, the paramedics are back to work but there's been other cases where we've people who've never returned to work you know people have been thrown downstairs mm. uh, they've been stabbed whatever they've never returned to work because they just couldn't face it uh, and some people returned to work and could not do frontline duty anymore uh, may have suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder so It is something that I've been calling for. It is something that has not been given the the level of attention. And what's quite interesting is nobody understands why. The legislation should be very simple and enforced. There there is a notion, of course, when uh, these cases are brought to court, that actually you're relying on the judgment of the presiding judge, which, in fairness, in most cases, has always been recognized in the fact that frontline ambulance personnel or other emergency services do put their life at risk. Well,
3: I I mean, it's the consequences. It's the additional consequences. Uh, An assault on me walking down the street is a terrible thing for me to happen and should be treated as a terrible crime. But if you do it to a member of the ambulance personnel, well then, as you say, there's a a town in this case, Trojada, which is without an ambulance service. Uh, A little bit like the story we were talking about earlier on, if you rob 450 euro from somebody, it's a terrible thing. Uh, But if you rob 450 euro from people in their homes at night, particularly elderly people, there's unforeseen consequences. Well,
2: I mean, you know, these issues travel with these people, mm. uh, they remain, and there's also questions then being raised. Well, you know, <clears throat> could I have done something different? There's a bit of self blame on these things sometimes. You hear ambulance personnel t- rerunning this whole thing in their own head, saying, Well, if I'd done something different mm. or reacted quick enough, uh, would, would that have been stopped? At the end of the day, the focus is actually on the patient, okay. uh, and the focus is on making sure that that patient's cared for. Uh, but the, the, our turn did suffer an exposure because of this incident. And I, I do understand that while the matter is under investigation mm-hmm. it should not be treated as a minor assault. Okay, and we
3: are somewhat limited in yes. what we can say uh, about this because it is the subject of an Absolutely. investigation but we leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed thank for coming into to us uh, this morning. Paul Bell Divisional Organiser with CIP2's Health Division. Michael,
1: Michael Reed on, on
6: LMFM.
3: Now yeah, let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you Marie. Could
6: you morning, Michael, and to everybody listening in, lots of people in touch in relation to that burglary in Dundalk, Michael. Uh, Finnan was listening to your interview with Peter Fitzpatrick and he agrees that what happened to that poor couple as he describes them was absolutely disgraceful. He thinks that what has, what has to happen is a complete overhaul of the justice system because in its current state it's ineffectual. When a serious crime like this is committed there needs to be harsher punishment for the perpetrators when they are caught in order to deter others from committing similar offences. It's all very easy for people to blame the guard but in a lot of cases, the Gardaí catch those responsible, build their case only to see the guilty party walk free from court because of a le- legal loophole. A revamp of the legal system is vital. Okay. Sean says that sentencing in this country is not strong enough and as a result, criminals are not put off carrying out these terrible acts or from reoffending. Real sentences need to be handed down and even include hard labour, Michael. These thugs should be sent out to carry out manual labour, breaking rocks, building roads, etc. Something that will make them feel the weight of their sentence. Thus, this is the only way to put them off re-offending.
3: Okay, yep, strong thoughts.
6: Tommy from Dundalk phoned in. Uh, Tommy says that he feels what should happen when there's an aggravated burglary is that anybody who has committed more than two crimes, in other words, if it's the third that five-year sentence should be added on to what they get. Hmm. In the case of an aggravate, aggravated burglary, he says that and there should be no time off for good behaviour. What happened to that couple is horrendous, he says. He says over a 30-year period, he was a victim of crime of si- on six different occasions. And at one stage, he had a gun gun. Uh, uh, pointed at his head he says and it's a terrible or- ordeal it takes a long time to get over he says his own home was burgled five times during mm. his lifetime and he says unfortunately none of those cases where he was concerned were solved and he says there's a lot of shock and horror over the current case but by the time the court case comes around that will have faded by the majority of people, it's only those affected that still really feel it he says mm. And uh, then it goes to court and they get off. If it's brought to court, you know, they get off as he feels relatively scot free.
3: Yeah, well, I think uh, there's a a lot of sense in what's been said. At the same time, though, do we fill up the prisons? How many prisons do we build? And uh, do we continue to put the fire out after the fire has started and almost burned the house down or or, or what do we do do we try to prevent the fire from starting and maybe it's time for us to stand back and take a look at ourselves as a society and ask why is this happening why are people behaving this way, is it mental health problems, we have a a very poor mental health service in this country that is not treating people is it drugs, Uh, drugs are are widespread and addiction is very strong and the cost of drugs uh, very very expensive and quite often drug addicts or burglars or prostitutes as the case may be and these are the kind of problems that uh, result from that type of behaviour and maybe these are some of the questions that we need to be asking ourselves as well.
6: A texter says two years ago this happened to us OAPs the guards came that night nothing has happened since my husband had a nervous breakdown after all our valuables were taken. God.
3: okay.
6: Why Michael says another texter do you call this vi- ...outrage, quote, mindless. Peter Fitzpatrick calls them yahoos. Uh, The the excuses for human life that deliberately attack elderly people are no better than sewer bacteria. The judicial system is the problem. You have culprits who are going out committing lots of these types of crimes. They have dozens of convictions Mm. where the sentence was minor and then they get a suspended sentence. Uh, says that you're, what's happening is that our system is allowing them to do this on the elderly.
3: Mm, okay. Strong maybe thoughts. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're a product of our system. You know, were they born this way? I somehow doubt it, but uh, that doesn't take away from the seriousness uh, and the consequence of what happened to, to that couple on the rock road.
6: Maria from Dublin says, ask Peter Fitzpatrick why uh, politicians can't improve victim support services. The elderly couple could be given a stay-over minder for a period of time following this. The law doesn't have to be changed to offer support to victims. Mm -hmm. Just action by those that we voted into power. By the way, Michael says, Maria, I love your show.
3: (laughs) Okay, thank you very much indeed.
6: A Candy Loud listener says, in relation to the two people attacked in the privacy of their home, it's just not good enough, Michael. These people came in with items that could cause death. The the leniency of the Irish law has a big role to play. These gurriers knew that this couple probably lived alone and they deserve to be put away for a long time.
3: Maybe so, but uh, they seem uh, to be children or a little older than children. Uh, They're being described as being in their late teens or early 20s, perhaps. Very young people, and it is amazing to think that they would have such disrespect uh, for life and uh, for elderly people uh, to act in such a a way. And indeed, we saw some young people uh, arrested in uh, Derry over the weekend as well. And uh, as a a consequence Mm -hmm. of the events that led to to those arrests, Lyra McKee was uh, buried yesterday. It was a very sad and moving uh, and indeed... uh, (sighs) sort of pointed uh, service in that uh, it brought to light uh, not just uh, the lovely person that she was uh, but the opportunity that there is now uh, in terms of bringing about a change of attitude. Uh, we'll uh, hear a little bit of what the priest uh, Father Martin McGill had to say.
8: The signing of the Good Friday Agreement which was about ensuring were there would be no more deaths like Lyra's. Earlier in this service, we listened to Matthew's account of the Beatitudes, which was chosen by her family in remembrance of Lyra learning the Beatitudes by heart when she was a pupil at St. James. The Beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, is very timely. Many of us will be praying that Lyra's death in its own way will not have been in vain and will contribute in some way to building peace here. Since Thursday night, we have seen the coming together of so many people in various places and the unifying of the community against violence. I commend our political leaders for standing together in craigan on Good Friday. I am, however, left with a question. Why in God's name does it take the death of a 29-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her... the death of a 29-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her to get to this point. As Christians recall the death of Jesus on the cross, we remember that his death was not in vain, but was for us the doorway to eternal life. I dare to hope that Lyra's murder on Holy Thursday evening can be the doorway to a new beginning. And I detect a deep desire for this. One of Lear's friends was reporting as saying this. We've had enough. There's a younger generation coming up in town and they don't need guns in their hands. They need jobs. They need a better health service and education. They need a life not a gun in their hands. To those who had any part in Lyra's murder, I encourage you, reflect on Lyra McKee, journalist and writer, as a powerful example of the pen is mightier than the sword. I plead with you to take the road of non violence to achieve your political ends. It was encouraging to see that those who provide a political analysis to the organisation responsible for Lyra's death, chose to call off their parade on Easter Monday in Derry, following the call from Father Joe Gormley, the parish priest in Craigan, where Lera was killed. To those still on intent in violence, I ask you to listen to the majority of the people of your beloved island of Ireland who are calling on you to stop.
3: Father Martin McGill speaking at uh, the funeral of Lyra McKee yesterday. We'll hope to hear more from uh, that service uh, throughout uh, the programme and indeed we'll be speaking with uh, the DUP's Jim Wells presently about the restoration of uh, the Executive in Northern Ireland and as to whether that will happen sooner rather than later. Back uh, briefly uh, because uh, we are tight on time to some more of the comments that have come to us, Marie.
6: Okay, I'll just- get to one, Michael, as an aside to that aggravated burglary, we had an email in from Eamon who just wanted to bring to our attention an incident on Friday evening whereby following this burglary uh, he had a call to his door from a sales rep from an alarm company who mentioned the break-in and asked would he be interested in upgrading his alarm system and how would he deal with a break-in asking him was he aware of the burglary and he just thought that he wasn't happy about it he felt that it was exploiting the situation
3: okay we'll leave it there for the moment as you say hopefully we'll find some more time to come back to some of uh, the comments uh, a little bit later on uh, but thanks uh, for that and thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us as always if you liked, if you would like to add to what's been said marie and maggie are taking calls today on 185715958
1: Michael Reid on
3: LMFM. Now, we've just been listening to that uh, very strong message uh, Father McGill gave uh, to politicians in Northern Ireland yesterday at Leary McKee's uh, funeral service. Let's hear what the Chief Constable had to say to politicians. Here's uh, George Hamilton speaking just after the service. All of the main political parties standing together in condemnation of this murder, of this violence against the communities of Gary and right across Northern Ireland and I hope as a citizen as well as a chief constable that that opportunity will not be lost and we just heard Father McGill in his reflections piece in the funeral service talking about the responsibility and our political leaders to stand up and to take advantage of these tragic circumstances where the life of Lyra at 29 years was so horribly cut short so I hope that our political leaders will do just that. All right, and George Hamilton did uh, appeal to anybody with information about those responsible to come forward. But let's talk about the responsibility on politicians with uh, Jim Wells, DUP, MLA for South Down. Good morning to you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, do you see this uh, as uh, a responsibility which you have to live up to?
7: Well, first of all, I think everyone would pay tribute to the life of Leira McKee. I don't think I met her Uh, in my 40 years uh, in politics but certainly she seemed to be a wonderful journalist and and someone that was even-handed and had a marvellous personality. There is a responsibility after the the funeral service yesterday for parties to get together at at Stormont and start to negotiate and try and get devolution back up and running. I think it's quite clear that from the reaction to Father McGill's statement at the funeral but there's a huge yearning out there for people to get round the table and to start to talk. We haven't been, have had a government in Northern Ireland now for two, almost two and a half years. And that situation cannot allow to, to continue to fester. OK.
3: Uh, and what about the reasons for the collapse of Stormont? Apart from the cash for ash controversy, which may complicate bringing the parties back to power sharing, there are other issues, are there not?
7: There are. Um, uh, though the, the, what's called the RHI scandal, or as you term it, the cash crash, wasn't the reason, it was the excuse it shouldn't have made it clear they've got three fundamental demands, first of all an Irish language act secondly, the introduction of same-sex marriage in Northern Ireland and for Arlene Foster not to be the First Minister. Now, they seem to have dropped the third demand. That seems to have quietened down. So they're left with two core issues. Now, what we're suggesting is that those are legitimate demands. Mm. We don't agree with them, but they are legitimate. And the best place for those to be debated is in the Assembly. Now, what we're suggesting is that the Assembly come back for a finite period, um, maybe eight months, and... Uh, with a sunset clause and if an agreement isn't reached on those type of outstanding issues uh, then the Assembly would, would, would collapse. Mm. So, I mean, we're prepared I mean, I shouldn't are saying they don't want to be sort of seduced back into an Assembly and for the drag on and drag on mm. well, the best place to discuss these issues is in that Assembly and let's sit down and see um, where we go forward. For instance, we've suggested a culture act covering all languages and traditions, uh, be it Lithuanian, Polish, Irish, Ulster, Scots, etc. And, and that, to me, is something we can do which would commemorate the life of Lear McKee, is people sitting down and talking. Because... You know, simply shouting at each other outside the doors of Stomach I think, doesn't uh, achieve anything.
3: All right. uh, Forgive me for thinking, but you sound somewhat disingenuous to me, at least, talking about same-sex marriage being a legitimate issue to bring to negotiations, given your own views on same-sex couples and same-sex relationships. Uh, It's an issue that perhaps would be fitting to bring to negotiations if there was to be real tributes paid to Lyra McKee. Uh, but uh, it's one that may be brought uh, by Alison Bennington on behalf of the DUP, who's running as a, a candidate in the council elections. And you're aghast at the idea I, of...
7: I, I, I am, and that's a very neat uh, segue there, Michael Lewis said himself. Y- yes, I mean, let's be honest about it. I will totally oppose the introduction of same-sex marriage into Northern Ireland. But what I'm saying to you, it's legitimate of Sinn Féin and other parties to try to table that for the discussion in the Assembly. But make it absolutely clear, I personally will always vote against same-sex marriage. Now, you've then moved on to the issue of Alice Bennington. Uh, This is a major uh, seed change. It's a a watershed for the DUP. The DUP have now selected to stand in the local government elections on May 2nd a lady who is openly and quite honestly in a same-sex relationship uh, and is um, uh, someone whose lifestyle that some in our party would find great difficulty with.
3: Mm. Why?
7: Because many of us come from a very uh, staunch Protestant evangelical tradition, uh, Michael, which states that all sexual activity should be confined to heterosexual marriage. We do not support an an ultimate redefinition Mm. of marriage. We see marriage as a fundamental building block of our society, marriage and the family, and if we tamper with that, we endanger the whole structure of society, and the breakup of the family is such a dangerous thing to occur.
3: But surely sex should be confined to the bedroom?
7: No, it shouldn't. It should be something that is confined to standard traditional marriage, And I've always believed that. And, Michael, I know it's difficult for you from a very liberal background down there in County Life to understand what what makes many people in Northern Ireland tick. But many of us believe that the traditional view of marriage is one man, one wife, settling down and having a family. And that is the basic building block of our society. And if we endanger that, then society will collapse. So, therefore, we do not support the LGBT movement's demand for a a fundamental change in the status of marriage and you've you've been through this debate yourself in the Irish Republic, you had a major referendum on the Mm. subject, and all I can say is well done Roscommon, as the only county in the Irish Republic who came out in favour of traditional marriage, and so you you don't need me to rehearse all the arguments that you have articulated uh, on your show so often over the last three or four years so therefore our view is similar to the third of the people in the Irish Republic who supported additional marriage. And therefore, what annoyed me intensely about the selection of Alice mm. Bennington, who I've never met, by the way, I don't mm. know, so I don't want to make it personal, but what angered me was the party were not consulted at any level about such a fundamental change in its policy. We have never, there was no consultation with our executive or our counselors association or MLAs. This just happened. But and the lady was put at the front of, it, the, it, of if, the manifesto.
3: if you don't want somebody to represent your party purely because of their sexuality, or because they're open about their sexuality, there is no prospect of you considering same sex marriage.
7: Correct. Correct, Michael. Well spotted. There's no prospect of me ever under any circumstances, supporting same-sex marriage. But what I do say is, if people have that concern on that issue, the place to, the place to negotiate that issue and to, 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 to debate it is in the Assembly. In the same way, it was, nego- it was debated in the Doyle before it was put to the referendum. So
3: will Lyra McKee's death have been in vain? Uh, uh, that is uh, what Father McGill uh, uh, asked.
7: Can I assure you, those who savagely and brutally murdered Lyra McKee were not attempting to murder her, they're attempting to murder totally innocent members of the police service of Northern Ireland. So therefore... I think the, the tribute to Lear McKee is that if it forces all the parties in Northern Ireland to get back to Stormont, to, to run the day to day issues as health, education, etc., but also to sit down and talk about these terribly difficult issues. And I accept that they're desperately difficult, uh, Michael. Mm. But the place to do that, as did they it, did it in the Republic, is in the Doyle. The place to do that is in Stormont. I mean, if Labour were to pull the plug and run out of uh, the doyle Leinster house and say the whole thing must collapse because we don't agree with a particular government policy, that's anarchy. These, all the parties in the Republic stay in and negotiate and debate these thorny issues.
3: Okay, we'll leave it there for the moment, but thank you indeed. Thank, thank you, Michael. Thank, thank you, you very much indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Jim Wells, DUP MLA for South Down. And we'll go back uh, to that service yesterday and hear some of uh, the tribute made uh, in memory of uh, Lyra McKee. Here's her friend uh, Stephen Lusty speaking yesterday. She
9: stopped to talk to some homeless person that she knew on the route She never said it, but I know that she always gave them half her dinner money so they they wouldn't go hungry. That was our Lever. When Lever and I were together, we rarely talked about her work. It was a topic with a priority well below family, loved ones and superheroes. I helped her with introductions on occasions, but only once did I participate in her research. That was a study into the 19s and 70s and 18s Belfast punk bands and their followers, and how they were able to bridge the difference between communities. This was a time when Belfast was a very different and divided city. Our conclusion was that the success of punk had much more to do with finding commonality than it did with bridging difference. If we were to analyse Lyra, she too would be a punk, a new age punk. No pink merheekon or safety pins, but she embodied the spirit of finding commonality, enjoying the difference in others, and if needed, having the conversation. The 1979, 1979, Stiff Little Fingers sang about an alternative Ulster. A great song, a work war cry, a glimmer of hope. Forty years later, later, Lyra showed us what it took to live in an alternative Ulster. Commonality, appreciation of difference, having conversations. Lyra and I often spoke about what she wanted to do with her life. Her goals were always simple. To be great at whatever she did professionally, to be happy and for those close to her to have the same. But there was much more depth to Lyra. Despite her tender years, Lyra had the grace of Mary Robinson, the connected humility of President Higgins, the drive and fairness of Baroness Blood, the imagination of Tolkien, and the energy of Oprah Winfrey. With Lyra's passing, I believe that the towns, communities and peoples of all of the British Isles have been robbed of of the talents of someone destined to become an outstanding statesman. Our loss.
3: Stephen Lusty speaking about his deceased friend, 29-year-old Lyra McKee.
1: Michael, Michael Reed, Reed
3: on, on LMFM. As you know, the annual Easter conferences held by uh, the three unions representing teachers in this country have uh, been dominated by pay. The ASTI conference, no different and uh, Deirdre MacDonald, uh, the President-elect of the Association of Secondary Teachers of Ireland, joins us now. Good morning to you, Deirdre, and thanks uh, for taking the time to be with us. Pay, quality of pay, loss pay and pay denied for not providing substitution and uh, supervision uh, all making for a a storm uh, that could be brewing it would seem on one hand but on the other hand the minister seems to be doing a a good job of uh, pouring cold water on these issues
10: Uh, good morning michael Uh, it's a a pleasure to be able to speak to you and your audience uh, here from wexford Um, well the the minister excuse me hasn't made any commitments so we're, myself and my colleagues in the ASTI, I can only speak for our own union, uh, have been around a long time and we know that uh, talk is cheap. In fact, it doesn't cost anything. Um, so we've heard, you know, those, these sort of soundings before. Yeah. Um, and that's all they are. Well, so <laughs>
3: the, whole, it's very, it's whole
10: di-
1: whole
3: it's very different to what the Minister is saying, because the Minister is saying if you sit down together and talk about these issues, you'll always find a, a way of resolving them.
1: But the
10: issue, the issue, Michael, is we have been sitting down mm. since uh, our pays were first cut in 2010. We have sat down, I would say, every year in those intervening years as part of other delegations and whatever. So it's not for want of sitting down and talking. It's actually... To be quite frank about it, that the inequality, which is a morally reprehensible thing uh, mm. to do, to, to target the most vulnerable, um, was brought in by the government. We, we are the ASTI, the only union, the only union in the country which actually took strike action on behalf of our lesser paid teachers. And that meant that people who are not going to gain from this, you know, mm. people who are many years in, in the, uh, the job, were prepared to take pay losses. Because if you go on strike, obviously, you lose pay. And in addition to this, of course, because of the FEMPI legislation, the the financial emergency measures, um, and of course, we know we're no longer in a a financial emergency, but that that piece of legislation, which Mm -hmm. has now morphed into the Pay and Pensions Bill, is still there, which means if you take any action, well, we, when we took action, we were... We found the full forces of uh, Fempi was taken against us, and we have members who are still down in terms of their increments uh, because of their action, which was to stand up for lesser paid teachers
3: and so not the consequence we, talk, but
10: we want to see the money now n-
3: not, not, not the consequence that nurses had to uh, face into as a result of action that they took oh uh, no, indeed and,
10: and we would n- hope we, mm-hmm. would we were very glad to see that the nurses did not uh, uh, did not find the force of this um, piece of noxious legislation, but uh, but it is unfair. So uh, you know,
3: and that's why you may be taking it. this legal action. Absolutely, uh, that's if you need to take it. exactly. Uh, and, this, uh, and, exactly. Uh, uh, and this comes down to what it the is minister exactly. is saying. And, and would you forgive me for wondering if there's a conflict at play? If the conflict is between. The teachers and your employer, the government, or if it's between the minister and his department, the Department of Education and the Department of uh, Public Expenditure, because the minister has said pay equality is going to be resolved. No ifs, buts, maybes. And then the Department of Public Expenditure said uh, it may be resolved. That means it may not be resolved. Minister said uh, that on the lost pay uh, that if you sit down together and talk about it you'll find a resolution. The Department of Public Expenditure had no comment.
10: Yeah, well, I can only speak for our own side. You know, uh, they have a cabinet. It is up to them to speak with one voice as, you know, a coherent government should. Um, so we will, as I said, you know, we, we, were, we thought what the Minister said was a step in the right direction and we would... Very firmly hope that he will bring his uh, colleague, uh, Pascal Donoghue, uh, the Minister for Finance, uh, and mm-hmm. deeper, uh, on, on, and show him the, uh, you know, that this is what is needed. This is, this is just unacceptable. I think anybody knows that you know not being paid the same amount for the same job, equal pay for equal work. It's you know it is really simple, and it's just cannot cannot be sustained, that people who entered on one day, you have an arbitrary day set, or on a different pay scale from others. And of course, the, mm. the fact is, not only is it affecting them now, but with the newer uh, entrance to the public service, across the public service, this is so this is not actually just a, uh, an issue for teachers. It came to be an issue for teachers earlier, because when there was an embargo in the public service, you couldn't have a classroom full of students and no teachers so they had to employ teachers whereas they you know with other work it could be left undone but you can't leave a class untaught mm. so other uh, public sector sectors uh, now are coming in where they have a new entrants and so they're feeling the effects that we felt you know right from the get go so to speak so we will hope that uh, deeper we'll see the error of their ways and that you know it is a basic tenet that people are, are paid equally, but also, as I was saying there, that they don't carry this into their rest of their lives and into their retirement, because the newer entrants are part of a new pension scheme, which is a life average pension scheme. So if they're down now, they'll be down forever. We have in our own branch here in Wexford uh, a teacher, Mary Cullen. She, you may have seen her across the media, print and... Radio um, over the last few days. Mary is about six years teaching, and she reckons she's down 30,000 over that time.
3: Okay, and about twenty percent of teachers are in that position. Oh, it's a very significant number,
10: and it has uh, got to be dealt with.
3: And and while you say Deirdre talk is cheap, action is pretty expensive, is is it? Very expensive, because uh, they're talking about fifteen million euro to cover the pay lost uh, as a result of uh, the penalties for strike action, and that would uh, equate to about a a thousand or two thousand euro per teacher, uh, which I'm sure uh, they'd welcome being uh, repaid to them, Uh, but. in terms of pay equality they're talking about nearly 50 million euro
10: you know we just can't accept that people are paid on different whatever the the issue is whatever way the budget has to be you know divvied out the point is that we have multinationals here you know which pay virtually you know a, a much mm-hmm. lesser tax rate than i pay or i've no doubt than you pay So, you know, the monies just have to be got. We cannot, we cannot say it is okay to have people doing the same work and paid less.
3: Uh, You're uh, about to assume uh, the role of president. Uh, I think uh, the ASTI has always uh, been seen, at least, uh, to be one of uh, the more militant of uh, the teachers' trade unions. Uh, Do you believe that a a storm is brewing, and are you up for a fight, if I can put it that way?
10: Uh, I I wouldn't use that language myself, Mm -hmm. militancy Mm -hmm. or fighting. Uh, I would say we are a very robust trade union. Uh, We value the... Uh, issues that are dear to us, equality, um, working conditions. You know, they're, they're, they're very old terms, but they mm-hmm. are actually more relevant than ever, you know, uh, nowadays. So whatever we need to do, but we would we are not the only union affected. So uh, the idea of a concerted, you know, together stronger, uh, that would definitely be, you know, but we, we have to do what we have to do to bring these issues to a satisfactory conclusion
3: okay. for us. Well we'll leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Deirdre MacDonald is uh, President-elect of ASTI, that's the Association of Secondary Teachers in Ireland. Now we'll return to the funeral service of Lera McKee, and we'll give uh, the final word on this programme to lera's sister. Here's how Nicola remembered her yesterday.
4: The passing of our Granny Laurie in 2005, broke Lyra's heart. Their bond was indestructible, and we take great comfort in the fact that they are now together again. Putting everyone else first was a key characteristic in Lyra's character, and this is exemplified in her relationship with our mummy. Lyra and mum were like Velcro, inseparable. There wasn't anything too big or too small that Lyra would not do to make sure that our mum got the best of everything and that all her needs were met. And she didn't care who she had to torture to ensure it. She must have phoned mum at least 50 times a day and I'm not even exaggerating. Sometimes it was simply to ask, are you okay? And then a follow up call to ask, are you sure you're okay? And sometimes she was only upstairs. The absence of this will leave an unfillable hole in our mother's life. The pain of the absence of our Lira from our mum's life will undoubtedly never ease. But we know that whilst a broken heart can never be mended and an empty space can never be filled, the unconditional love that they both share for each other will continue for eternity.
3: Lerna McKees, her Sister Nicola, remembering uh, how she had such a, a wonderful relationship uh, with her mother at her funeral service yesterday.
1: Michael Michael Reed
3: on LMFM. Now, parents uh, who bring children into the world after November are to get uh, an additional two weeks paid parental leave of 245 euro from uh, the state. That can be topped up by employers if uh, they choose to do so, or not, as uh, the case may be. There is some concern about uh, this addition to maternity and paternity leave, and let's hear why. Neil Macdonald is chief executive officer. Of ISMI and uh, a very good morning to Neil and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, You believe uh, this could impact on how people decide whether they're going to employ people or not?
11: Well, no, we do, we don't feel that that's the case, but uh, there is a concern that people will, you know, uh, by accident, by design, by pure misjudgment, will attempt to take these things into account when they're making a hiring decision. I think the the bigger and the material issue is is the one you initially uh, alluded to, uh, which is which is the top up issue. I mean, what we're hearing already is that people in state employment. It, it seems automatically are going to enjoy a, a top-up um, that is unlikely to be affordable for the majority of SMEs, and, and the vast majority of SMEs are are micro; they're less than ten employees. Um, so, starting this off at uh, at two weeks uh, with a planned move to seven weeks entitlement over a period of of three years is is potentially quite a significant uh, addition to the time out of a bit of a small business.
3: But I- I know you're not uh, allowed to be influenced in terms of employing somebody, uh, but it must be a headache uh, if uh, somebody goes on maternity leave, uh, let alone uh, a man, uh, because uh, they've had a a child.
11: Of of course it is. And the the issue is that irrespective of... Um, you, you know, the the quality of the person you get in, there is always a cost of change. Rarely do you get someone who can seamlessly uh, slip into someone else's job and you suffer no deterioration in productivity or output. Um, if it was that easy, you know, uh, the, the, you wouldn't require very much training for any sort of job. There is a non-cost to doing that. Um, there is a degradation in productivity. There's time spent training someone or sitting by Nelly as it's called in a lot of businesses, um, so so that has an effect. I, I have to say though, Michael. I mean, obviously, we welcome anything that uh, you know brings family-friendly um, work practices into the workplace. This uh, it, the, the the issue for SMEs in particular is is the possibility, the likelihood that they might be seen as uncompetitive, especially if they don't top this leave up uh, for employees. Mm. And I suppose it particularly raises the the question, the the injustice, if you look at um, but it, Nordic it's the, countries. It's the top-up
3: plus uh, the cost of uh, filling uh, the post while somebody is out uh, on leave. Uh, at the moment, uh, a woman can be off for about a, a year if she takes time out to have a, a baby, 26 paid, 16 weeks unpaid, and then uh, another 18 weeks on top of that, isn't it?
11: Yes, and as we understand, this would then come on top of that again, so this would introduce uh uh state supported uh two to seven weeks on top of that again um but but the the fundamental injustice for people in the private sector uh when they look at top ups in the public sector is you know top ups in the public sector are uh, the, the at, firstly the actual payment itself of 245 and then the top up the people in the public sector who get the full rate of pay all of that it comes from the tax and social insurance contributions of all workers together in the nordic countries typically these benefits are paid not on a fixed or flat rate Mm -hmm. But as a percentage of what your gross income is, uh, and uh, I know Minister uh, Regina Doherty has been complaining about the the failure of men in particular to avail of of these uh, of these uh, times out of work to to um uh, uh, for She's tribert, in the eye of a
3: storm, really, isn't she?
11: Well, well, I, I suppose she she is putting her finger on the on the issue of affordability. Mm. Whereas if if we did pay these benefits um, in the same manner as Nordic countries did, that people would be far more likely to avail of them. And don't forget that it's, uh, it's almost 10 years since we abandoned the caps on PRSI. Well, and, the, minister, and
3: the Minister says it, it, it's not because of affordability which has led some to think uh, that she believes men just don't want to spend time with their children.
11: Well, Michael, I, I'm not going to get into that issue with you now today. So well, well, that's, uh,
3: well, there, well, I'll leave it between the Minister and Willie O'Dea. Perhaps the yeah, Minister yes, says it's yes. not the case, uh, but you're saying that it is affordability.
11: Well, I, I, I think the reality of it is that anyone who has a mortgage or rent to pay and is making five, six, seven hundred a week and mm. is then looking at uh, um, an income of €245 mm. Euros, uh, for two to seven weeks yeah. if they don't have a working spouse is going to have a significant cash flow issue there's and, no and point in pretending they're, otherwise. They're,
3: they're coming to you asking you for another four or five hundred to top them up whilst you're having to pay the seven hundred as uh, the case may be to replace them
11: Correct, but the other issue is that that employer is paying 10.75% PRSI into the social fund and the employee themselves is paying 4% into the social fund uncapped. So, you know, for the, the, uh, that that means that in respect of the average, the worker on the average industrial wage, you know, earning 39,000, there's uh there's 15% uh, of of their income annually been sent, put into the social fund mm. yet the government is saying we're only going to, we're going to cap this payment at 245 euro Now, that doesn't seem just or, or uh,
3: morally right to me and what is just and morally right to you
11: well, well where the, the, percentage where the, of state the comes out with The the social insurance fund should be exactly what it says on the tin. It's Mm -hmm. social insurance. And if you pay more into the social insurance fund than for programs such as this, such as parental leave, Mm -hmm. if you have contributed two or three times as much as the worker next to you, you shouldn't have your uh, parental leave capped okay. uh, out of out of state convenience
3: so at €245. It, Euro. it should be a percentage of your earnings in other words. Yeah. Alright, we'll leave it there. Thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Neil MacDonald, Chief Executive Officer of ISME, brings our programme to its conclusion today. Our time has run out on us once again, and God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye.
2: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. michael at lmfm.ie
1: LMFM podcasts brought to you with Carpet Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Carpet Cross Credit Union O'Neill Street or at CU.ie.
0: Planning for your next trip?